Section 15 of The Book of Halloween by Ruth Edna Kelly. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Chapter 15 Halloween in America. In colonial days, Halloween was not celebrated much in America. Some English still kept the customs of the old world, such as apple ducking and snapping, and girls tried the apple paring charm to reveal their lovers' initials, and the comb and mirror test to see their faces. Ballads were sung and ghost stories told for the dead were thought to return on Halloween. There was a young officer in Phipps's company at the time of the finding of the Spanish treasure-ship, who had gone mad at the sight of the bursting sacks that divers had brought up from the sea, as the gold coins covered the deck. This man had once lived in the old stone house on the fair green lane, and a report had gone out that his spirit still visited it and caused discordant noises. Once, on a gusty November evening, when the clouds were scudding over the moon, a hall-door had blown open with a shrieking draught and a force that caused the floor to tremble. Butterworth. Halloween Reformation. Elves, goblins, and fairies are native on American soil. The Indians believed in evil manitous, some of whom were water-gods who exacted tribute from all who passed over their lakes. Henry Hudson and his fellow explorers haunted as mountain trolls the Catskill Range. Like Ossian and so many other visitors to the other world, Rip Van Winkle is lured into the strange gathering, and thinks that he passes the night there, wakes, and goes home to find that twenty years have whitened his hair, rusted his gun, and snatched from life many of his boon companions. "'My gun must have catched the rheumatics, too. Now that's too bad. Them fellows have gone and stolen my good gun, and leave me this rusty old barrel. "'Why, is that the village of Falling Waters that I see? Why, the place is more than twice the size it was last night. I—' I don't know whether I am dreaming, or sleeping, or waking. Jefferson, Rip Van Winkle. The persecution of witches, prevalent in Europe, reached this side of the Atlantic in the seventeenth century. This sudden burst of wickedness and crime was but the common madness of the time, when in all lands that lie within the sound of Sabbath bells a witch was burned or drowned. Longfellow, Giles Corey of the Salem Farms. Men and women who had enemies to accuse them of evil knowledge, and the power to cause illness in others, were hanged or pressed to death by heavy weights. Such sicknesses they could cause by keeping a waxen image, and sticking pins or nails into it, or by melting it before the fire. The person whom they hated would be in torture, or would waste away like the waxen doll. Witches' power to injure and to prophesy came from the devil, who marked them with a needle-prick. Such marks were sought as evidence at trials." Witches' eyes are of coals of fire from the pit. They were attended by black cats, owls, bats, and toads. Iron, as being a product of fire, was a protection against them, as against evil spirits everywhere. It had a special power when in the shape of a horseshoe. This horseshoe I will nail upon the threshold. There, ye night hags and witches that torment the neighborhood, ye shall not enter here. Longfellow, Giles Quarry of the Salem Farms. The holiday time of elves, witches, and ghosts is Halloween. It is not believed in here except by some children, who people the dark with bogies who will carry them away if they are naughty. Once they was a little boy who wouldn't say his prayers, and when he went up to bed at night, away upstairs, his mammy heard him holler, and his daddy heard him bawl, and when they turned the covers down he wasn't there at all, and they seeked him in the rafter-room and cubby-hole and press, and seeked him up the chimney-flue and everywheres, I guess, but all they ever found was this his pants round about, and the goblins'll get you if you don't watch out. Riley, 
Little Orphant Annie. Negroes are very suspicious, putting faith in all sorts of supernatural beings. Blame my trap, how de wind do blow, and dis is de night for de witches show. Day's trouble going to waste when the old slut whine, and you hear de cat a spittin' when the moon don't shine. Riley, when de folks is gone. While the original customs of Halloween are being forgotten more and more across the ocean, Americans have fostered them, and are making this an occasion something like what it must have been in its best days overseas. All Halloween customs in the United States are borrowed directly or adapted from those of other countries. All superstitions, everyday ones, and those pertaining to Christmas and New Year's, have special value on Halloween. It is a night of ghostly and merry revelry. Mischievous spirits choose it for carrying off gates and other objects, and hiding them or putting them out of reach. Dear me, Polly, I wonder what them boys will be up to tonight. I do hope they'll not put the gate up on the shed as they did last year. Right. Tom's Halloween Joke. Bags filled with flowers sprinkle the passers-by. Doorbells are rung and mysterious raps sounded on doors. Things thrown into halls and knobs stolen. Such sports mean no more at Halloween than the tricks played the night before the 4th of July have to do with the Declaration of Independence. We see manifested on all such occasions the spirit of free night, of which George von Hartwig speaks so enthusiastically in St. John's Fire. Halloween parties are the real survival of the ancient merrymakings. They are prepared for in secret. Guests are not to divulge the fact that they are invited. Often they come masked as ghosts or witches. The decorations make plain the two elements of the festival. For the centerpiece of the table there may be a hollowed pumpkin, filled with apples and nuts and other fruits of the harvest, or a pumpkin chariot drawn by field mice. So it is clear that this is a harvest party, like Pomona's feast. In the coach rides a witch, representing the other element of magic and prophecy. Jack-o'-lanterns, with which the room is lighted, are hollowed pumpkins with candles inside. The candlelight shines through holes cut like features. So the lantern becomes a bogey, and is held up at a window to frighten those inside. Cornstalks from the garden stand in clumps about the room. A frieze of witches on broomsticks, with cats, bats, and owls, surmounts the fireplace, perhaps. A full moon shines over all, and a cauldron on a tripod holds fortunes tied in nutshells. The prevailing colors are yellow and black. A deep yellow is the color of most ripe grain and fruit. Black stands for black magic and demoniac influence. Ghosts and skulls and crossbones, symbols of death, startle the beholder. Since Halloween is a time for lovers to learn their fate, hearts and other sentimental tokens are used to good effect, as the Scotch lads of Burns's time wore love-knots. Having marched into the dining-room, to the time of a dirge, the guests find before them plain, hearty fare, doughnuts, gingerbread, cider, popcorn, apples, and nuts, honored by time. The Halloween cake has held the place of honor since the beginning here in America. A ring, key, thimble, penny, and button baked in it foretell respectively speedy marriage, a journey, spinsterhood, wealth, and bachelorhood. Polly was going to be married, Jenny was going on a long journey, and you, down went the knife against something hard. The girls crowded round. You had a hurt in your throat, and there, there, in your slice, was the horrid, hateful, big brass thimble. It was more than you could bear, soaking, dripping wet, and an old maid. Bradley. The kitchen is the best place for the rough games and after-supper charms. On the stems of the apples which are to be dipped for may be tied names, for the boys in one tub, for the girls in another. 
each searcher of the future must draw out with his teeth an apple with a name which will be like that of his future mate. A variation of the Irish snap-apple is a hoop hung by strings from the ceiling, round which at intervals are placed bread, apples, cakes, peppers, candies, and candles. The strings are twisted, then let go, and as the hoop revolves, each may step up and get a bite from whatever comes to him. By the taste he determines what the character of his married life will be, whether wholesome, acid, soft, fiery, or sweet. Whoever bites the candle is twice unfortunate, for he must pay a forfeit too. An apple and a bag of flour are placed on the ends of a stick, and whoever dares to seize a mouthful of apple must risk being blinded by fire. Apples are suspended to one string in a doorway. As they swing, each guest tries to secure his apple. To blow out a candle as it revolves on a stick requires attention and accuracy of aim. The one who first succeeds in threading a needle as he sits on a round bottle on the floor will be first married. Twelve candles are lighted and placed at convenient distances on the floor in a row. As the guest leaps over them, the first he blows out will indicate his wedding month. One candle only placed on the floor and blown out in the same way means a year of wretchedness ahead. If it still burns, it presages a year of joy. Among the quieter tests, some of the most common are tried with apple seeds. As in England, a pair of seeds named for two lovers are stuck on brow or eyelids. The one who sticks longer is the true, the one who soon falls the disloyal sweetheart. Seeds are used in this way to tell also whether one is to be a traveler or a stay-at-home. Apple seeds are twice ominous, partaking of both apple and nut nature. Even the number of seeds found in a core has meaning. If you put them upon the palm of your hand and strike it with the other, the number remaining will tell you how many letters you will receive in a fortnight. With twelve seeds and the names of twelve friends, the old rhyme may be repeated, One I love, two I love, three I love, I say, four I love with all my heart, five I cast away, six he loves, seven she loves, eight they both love, nine he comes, ten he tarries, eleven he courts, and twelve he marries. Nuts are burned in the open fire. It is generally agreed that the one for whom the first that pops is named loves. If he loves me, pop and fly. If he hates me, live and die. Often the superstition connected therewith is forgotten in the excitement of the moment. When every one among us towed his smallest pickaninny, would huddle in the chimbly conus glow, to listen to dem chilly winds of old Novembers, go a-streechin like a spook round a hut's, Twelve de pickaninny's fingers gets to shakin' o'er dem embas, and they like to roast a knuckles instead o' nuts. In Werner's Readings, number 31. Letters of the alphabet are carved on a pumpkin. Fate guides the hand of the blindfolded seeker to the fateful initial which he stabs with a pin. Letters cut out of paper are sprinkled on water in a tub. They form groups from which any one with imagination may spell out names. Girls walk down cellar backward with a candle in one hand and a looking-glass in the other, expecting to see a face in the glass. Last night twas witching Halloween, dearest, an apple russet brown, I pared and thrice above my crown, whirled the long skin, they watched it keen, I flung it far, they laughed and cried me shame, dearest, there lay the letter of your name. Took the mirror then, I crept, down, down the creaking narrow stair, the milk-pans caught my candle's flare, and mice walked soft and spiders slept. I broke the spell and stood the magic space, dearest, and in the glass I saw your face. 
and then I stole out in the night, alone the frogs piped sweet and loud, the moon looked through a ragged cloud, thrice round the house I sped me light, dearest, and there, methought, charm of my charms, you met me, kissed me, took me to your arms. Opper, the charms. There are many mirror tests. A girl who sits before a mirror at midnight on Halloween, combing her hair and eating an apple, will see the face of her true love reflected in the glass. Standing so that through a window she may see the moon in a glass she holds, she counts the number of reflections to find out how many pleasant things will happen to her in the next twelve months. Alabama has taken over the Scotch mirror test in its entirety. A girl with a looking-glass in her hand steps backward from the door out into the yard, saying, Round and round, O stars so fair, you travel and search out everywhere. I pray you, sweet stars, now show to me, this night, who my future husband shall be. She goes to meet her fate. So Leslie backed out at the door, and then we shut it upon her. The instant after we heard a great laugh. Off the piazza she had stepped backward directly against two gentlemen coming in. Dr. Ingleside was one, coming to get his supper. The other was a friend of his. Dr. John Hattain, he said, introducing him by his full name. Whitney, we girls. A custom that is a reminder of the lighted boats sent downstream in Japan to bear away the souls of the dead is that which makes use of nutshell boats. These have tiny candles fastened in them, are lighted and named, and set adrift on a tub of water. If they cling to the side, their namesake will lead a quiet life. Some will float together. Some will collide and be shipwrecked. Others will bear steadily toward a goal, though the waves are rocked in a tempest. Their behavior is significant. The candle which burns longest belongs to the one who will marry first. The midsummer wheel which was rolled down into the Moselle River in France, and meant if the flames that wreathed it were not extinguished, that the grape harvest would be abundant, has survived in the fortune wheel which is rolled about from one guest to another, and brings a gift to each. The actions of cats on Halloween betoken good or bad luck. If a cat sits quietly beside any one, he will enjoy a peaceful, prosperous life. If one rubs against him, it brings good luck, doubly good if one jumps into his lap. If a cat yawns near you on Halloween, be alert and do not let opportunity slip by you. If a cat runs from you, you have a secret which will be revealed in seven days. Different states have put interpretations of their own on the commonest charms. In Massachusetts, the one who first draws an apple from the tub with his teeth will be first married. If a girl steals a cabbage, she will see her future husband as she pulls it up, or meet him as she goes home. If these fail, she must put the cabbage over the door and watch to see whom it falls on, for him she is to marry. A button concealed in mashed potato brings misfortune to the finder. The names of three men are written on slips of paper, and enclosed in three balls of meal. The one that rises first when they are thrown into water will disclose the sought-for name. Maine has borrowed the yarn test from Scotland. A ball is thrown into a barn or cellar and wound off on the hand. The lover will come and help to wind. Girls in New Hampshire place in a row three dishes with earth, water, and a ring in them, respectively. The one who blindfolded touches the earth will soon die. Water will never marry. The ring will soon be wedded. To dream of the future on Halloween in Pennsylvania, one must go out of the front door backward, pick up dust or grass, wrap it in paper, and put it under his pillow. In Maryland, girls see their future husbands by a rite similar to the Scotch wedding of the sark sleeve. They put an egg to roast, and open wide all the doors and windows. 
the man they seek will come in and turn the egg. At supper girls stand behind the chairs, knowing that the ones they are to marry will come to sit in front of them. The South has always been famous for its hospitality in good times. On Halloween a miniature druid fire burns in a bowl on the table. In the blazing alcohol are put fortunes wrapped in tinfoil, figs, orange peel, raisins, almonds, and dates. The one who snatches the best will meet his sweetheart inside of a year, and all may try for a fortune from the flames. The origin of this custom was the taking of omens from the death struggles of creatures burning in the fire of sacrifice. Another southern custom is adapted from one in Brittany. Needles are named and floated in a dish of water. Those which cling side by side are lovers. Good fortune is in store for the one who wins an apple from the tub, or against whose glass a ring suspended by a hair strikes with a sharp chime. A very elaborate charm is tried in Newfoundland. As the clock strikes midnight, a girl puts the twenty-six letters of the alphabet, cut from paper, into a pure white bowl which has been touched by the lips of a newborn babe only. After saying, Kind fortune, tell me, where is he, who my future lord shall be? From this bowl all that I claim is to know my sweetheart's name. As she puts the bowl into a safe place until morning. Then she is blindfolded and picks out the same number of letters as there are in her own name, and spells another from them. In New Brunswick, instead of an apple, a hard-boiled egg without salt is eaten before a mirror, with the same result. In Canada, a thread is held over a lamp. The number that can be counted slowly before the thread parts is the number of years before the one who counts will marry. In the United States, a hair is thrown to the winds with the stanza chanted, I pluck this lock of hair off my head, to tell whence comes the one I shall wed. Fly, silken hair, fly all the world round until you reach the spot where my true love is found. The direction in which the hair floats is prophetic. The taste in Halloween festivities is now to study old traditions, and hold a Scotch party, using Burns's poem Halloween as a guide, or to go a-souling as the English used. In short, no custom that was once honoured at Halloween is out of fashion now. Cinever has been borrowed from Wales, and the dumb-cake from the Hebrides. In the Scotch custom of cabbage-stalk pulling, if the stalk comes up easily, the husband or wife will be easy to win. The melted lead test to show the occupation of the husband-to-be has been adopted in the United States. If the metal cools in round drops, the tester will never marry, or her husband will have no profession. White of egg is used in the same way. Like the Welsh test is that of filling the mouth with water and walking around the house until one meets one's fate. An adaptation of the Scottish three luggies is the row of four dishes holding dirt, water, a ring, and a rag. The dirt means divorce, the water a trip across the ocean, the ring marriage, and the rag no marriage at all. After the charms have been tried, faggots are passed about, and by the eerie light of burning salt and alcohol, ghost stories are told, each concluding his installment as his faggot withers into ashes. Sometimes the cabbage stalks are used in the omens to take the place of faggots. To induce prophetic dreams, salt, in quantities from a pinch to an eggful, is eaten before one goes to bed. Miss Jeanette, that's such a fine trick. You must swallow a salt herring in three bites, bones and all, and not drink a drop till the apparition of your future spouse comes in the night to offer you a drink of water. Adams, Chrissy's Fate if after taking three doses of salt two minutes apart, a girl goes to bed backwards, lies on her right side, and does not move till morning, 
she is sure to have eventful dreams. Pills made of a hazelnut, a walnut, and nutmeg grated together, and mixed with butter and sugar, cause dreams. If of gold, the husband will be rich. If of noise, a tradesman. If of thunder and lightning, a traveller. As in Ireland, bay-leaves on or under a man's pillow will cause him to dream of his sweetheart. Also, turn your boots toward the street, leave your garters on your feet, put your stockings on your head, you'll dream of the one you're going to wed. Lemon peel, carried all day and rubbed on the bedposts at night, will cause an apparition to bring the dreaming girl two lemons. For quiet sleep and the fulfillment of any wish, eat before going to bed on Halloween a piece of dry bread. A far more interesting development of the Halloween idea than these innocent but colorless superstitions is promised by the pageant at Fort Worth, Texas, on October 31, 1916. In the mask and pageant of the afternoon, 4,000 schoolchildren took part. At night, scenes from the pageants were staged on floats which passed along the streets. The subject was preparedness for peace, and comprised scenes from American history in which peace played an honorable part. Such were the conference of William Penn and the Quakers with the Indians, and the opening of the East to American trade. This is not a subject limited to performances at Hallowtide. May there not be written and presented in America a truly Halloween pageant, illustrating and befitting its noble origin, and making its place secure among the holidays of the year? End of section 15. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.